I'm Stephen Adams. This is Down to Doug. I'm, I'm miffed and peeved. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleich. We're part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, and featured on Dash Radio at 5 o'clock Central Time. With me today is my good friend, Michele Barrow. Michele, what's up? Basketball is here. Well, not not really, but FIBA is, like, okay. Yeah. Like, to watch. <laughs> it's, I guess. It's here. Yeah. So, um... There's not a ton of interest in the USA team, but do you? What's the level of interest in this Italian team? Well, like in Italy, it's the third uh, World Championship where we have a great team, according to um, the um, association president. And so this is the third time where we should have like a legit team, and we'll probably be disappointed. Uh, another time because Italy is okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, they beat Angola and Philippines quite easily, but those are crappy teams. Uh, and then they will probably going to lose to Serbia. Uh, like either it's, I think it's two days, a day after tomorrow, something like that. And then they will struggle to beat any other team in this competition. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, they have talent for sure. Gallo was amazing. In the first game, mm-hmm. he touched the ball, I think, five times and he made 16 points. Yeah. Um, but, like, <laughs> scoring against Philippines is quite easy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, it's not hard. They are not tall enough and completely unorganized in terms of basketball. So, it's not really a test. But, yeah, he, he looked good, at least in terms of shooting and moving. He was, the, the, the best thing of his game was he was able to hold in the post against Blachi, which is, uh, I mean, it's a former NBA player, and so it's he's huge. He's even oh, Andre Blatch, yeah. Blatch, sorry. Uh, sorry, I mispronounced that. Um, Blatch, yes. Mm-hmm. He held his own against him. And, uh, and that was actually good to see, because I think that Gallo's value uh, on the court is also... Um, is, well, of course, scoring and shooting, but if he's able to hold his own in the post, it makes him extremely interesting in terms of switching and, and stuff like that. So that was interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, to me, I just watched like the, they released like the 10 minute highlight uh, yeah. on Gallo on YouTube. So just to be completely honest, I didn't sit and watch the whole game. But to me, this is he's a player that the Thunder have never really had in that he can score it. Yeah, they've had guys that can score from that position at the four. Uh, but the way that he uses space and the way that he knows how to pass and knows how to get the ball to other people, the game seems so slow to him. And some some of that had to do with them playing the Philippines. Like, let's mm-hmm. let's just be honest. But... Still, he's he's a, a type of player that the Thunder really just haven't had, where he's just it feels like everything comes really easy for him on the offensive end, and he can do yeah. just about everything. And so I'm, I'm interested to watch him, and I don't know how long we're going to get to watch him, honestly, because I think people are going to realize pretty quickly that he's really good, and <laughs> that I mean the reason the Clippers made the playoffs last year. 
is because Gallinari had like his best season ever. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. I mean, that's the truth of the matter. Is that he yeah. was a a top ten offensive player last year, and he was the probably the main reason. I think a lot of people point at Tobias Harris. I think a lot of people look at the Montrezl Harrell, the Williams pick and roll. Those things are all great. But without Gallinari, they're a lottery team. Yeah. Yeah, they were barely a playoff team. Like, no, not really barely, but, I mean, if you, if you take out Gallo, uh, it, it yeah. makes a huge difference. It's true that Lou Williams and, um, and Montrose Harrell, they had a positive net rating with the second unit. And this is extremely important, as we know very well. Uh, if you have a, a good second unit, it makes things uh, easier for you, unless you have a crappy first unit. Mm-hmm. And believe me, if Gallo doesn't play that way, the first unit is not um, a barely positive team. It's it's a negative one. It's a severely negative one. And so even if you have the best second unit in the world, it, it, it doesn't really make a difference. So, yeah, Gallo was pretty good last season. And, like, even from the highlights, if you see how easy and how quick he is in releasing the shot from three, it's it's going to make a huge difference for 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 this team in terms of the spacing that you have because you will not leave Gallo alone. You will you will have a guy, a good defender, attached to him for 32 minutes a game, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. And the space that Stephen Adams will have this season, as long as Chris Paul and and Gallinari play, will be something that he didn't have since Durant left, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because to be fair, like when OKC had um, Morrow, KD, Ibaka, Adams, and Westbrook on the court, the floor the floor was really spread. Yeah, and so I mean they they had all the space they want, and and I think that that un, this unit of this season will be close to that. I mean not the same, but uh, but yeah, you'll have like four shooters and Adams, which mm-hmm. is something. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, today in uh, the Italy just played Angola. They beat him ninety-two to sixty-one. Uh, Gallo played eighteen minutes. He had seven points, six boards, two assists. Kind of a pedestrian line, but he didn't play a whole lot. He shot the ball seven times. It's just <laughs> they just didn't need a whole lot from him. And it's probably it's probably a weird environment where it's like, yeah, this is competitive. This is a tournament. Uh, but like, I, we don't have to try that hard. And there's something yeah. different about games where you feel like you don't have to try that hard. Yeah, I mean, I, I since I was working this morning, um, I didn't watch the game uh, live. We'll probably watch it uh, this afternoon, at least uh, the first few the first two quarters. Um, Angola is a completely different team than Philippines. They are much more physical. And this, um, Italy always struggles against very physical defense. And so, especially Gallo. Gallo does struggle when you put your hands uh, on him and you have size. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, the good news is he didn't play that much. Uh, he's still recovering from an appendectomy. And so, yeah. Uh, I think, again, 
Gallo is extremely talented and I'm not worried if he scores seven points with seven shots one day. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll try to, to have a look at, at the game. And uh, By the way, speaking of Italy, I, I watched Bellinelli play against Philippines and it was all the things that you want to see from Bellinelli mm-hmm. on, a, on a basketball court. He was not shooting it relentlessly, recklessly. He, he was passing the ball. He was doing like touch passes. He was playing defense, stealing balls. I mean, if this version of Bellinelli plays in the NBA, he, he is a very useful player. I never understood why Marco wasn't able to translate that part of his game, like the passing, the, um, the defense. Like, he is always in the NBA, he's a shooter that cannot play defense and cannot really dribble the ball. Mm-hmm. And it's he's it is not what he what he is. I, I never understood why the translation was so hard for him, and why he decided that the best part of his game was the shooting, which which is great. I mean, he's a if you leave him open, it's a forty percent shooter every damn night. But like he has so much more. You just have to to want it. You just has to to work for it. And I, it's it's too late by now. But uh, yeah, I saw him playing in a. He was more close to Joe Ingles than to Anthony Morrow. And in the NBA, it's, it's the opposite, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he's, he really has just been a spot-up shooter. And yeah. And was waived, for crying out loud, <laughs> by the Hawks. <laughs> and then got yeah. picked up for nothing from Philly. Um, yeah, it's... I mean, he had some good years with San Antonio, but he really was just a spot-up shooter for them. Yeah. You can argue that he he's the best ball handler of Italy, which is hmm. why probably Italy is not very good in terms of um, world championship uh, rankings. But, mm-hmm. um, but, yeah, I mean, he showed things that I didn't see from him uh, in the NBA in quite some time. Yeah. Uh, the USA played the Czech Republic. I guess yeah. we can talk about this. Um, uh, Thomas Sedaransky had 17 points in the game and was the leading scorer of the entire game. It's kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. interesting. <laughs> I watched the first two quarters and then uh, it was very, a very bad game to watch. Yeah. Because USA team had nothing going. Like the first, I think, eight possessions were jumpers. Iso jumpers, <laughs> like two uh, from Turner, two from, from Tatum. Like, I don't know. I think probably uh, USA can outscore and out-talent anyone but Greece and Serbia mm-hmm. uh, because they have so much talent in terms of athleticism, in terms of shot-making, that even playing iso ball for 40 minutes will probably end up with a, with a W. But you wonder if this group can do a bit more. Maybe they did in the in the second part of the game, but the first part was brutal to watch. Um, it's um, part of it is, is the construction and the lineups that uh, that were out there, but part was just the complete absence of movement from the weak side. Like players were just running the floor from one end to the other, position themselves outside of the three-point line, maybe run a pick and roll, and then that was it. That was all the things that they tried in that game. And maybe it's we don't want to show too much and or we are working on a few stuff. But boy, like uh, it's 
it's it's not a good brand of basketball. Czech Republic played well, but they they are so bad. Satoransky is the only player that is kind of relevant from an international standpoint. And so, yeah, they did, they did almost too much in the first two quarters. Uh, I didn't expect them to uh, to hold as well in the first uh, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to have to get it together if they're going to beat Serbia. Yeah. Like, they, you can't score 88 points against the Czech Republic and think you're going to go in and beat Serbia. Like, you've got to, they've got to get better. I, don't think, I mean, they can get better just playing a few games together. But, I mean, Serbia beat Angola 105 to 59. Like, they just yeah. smoked them. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of concerning. Yeah. To be fair, uh, with Team USA, I watched the first half of Serbia and Angola, and Serbia did. Serbia played like irritating basketball for at least 15 minutes where they just didn't care of the ball. Jokic yeah. probably lost his first three balls. Like he was just passing the ball randomly to no one because he was doing like Jokic stuff. It works when you have like double of the space that you have in FIBA. Uh, but um, with, and then they, they basically put it together in middle way in the, in the second they, just crush them because they have they have talent there and mm-hmm. um, they, and and they play good basketball. Uh, speaking of, of good basketball and, and good games, I mean, I loved Canada against Australia. It yeah. was such a good game, and Australia plays very very well. They are they they are not going too far in this competition because of the lack of pure talent. But boy, watching Joe Ingles play in FIBA. Um, Always doing the right, making the right decision. Always doing the right plays is is probably why you should watch like uh, at least a bit of FIBA basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Australia is kind of full of a roster of guys like that, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bogut is a smart guy, and uh, Padmil is not maybe your prototypical uh, high IQ guy, but you need players like that. When you don't have anyone who can who can take a shot like without any scheme, mm-hmm. and so yeah, they, they are they have a good blend of talent. Landale is something, is some uh, one that maybe some um, U.S. Uh, fans will know. He was a former Saint Mary. Um, he played like in co- in college at Saint Mary. He's a two uh, seven seven feet, maybe something a little bit little bit less, who can do it all on the offensive end. He can shoot it. He can post it up. Uh, but it's too slow for the NBA. Like, but 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 he can play. And so mm-hmm. Australia is full of guys like that, guys that can score. Uh, Match Delavidova played extremely well against Canada, basically hitting whatever they pass him. And so yeah, it was a good game. And Canada, without any of his starters, basically uh, still made it made it a game. Um, yeah, it was beautiful to watch. Yeah, Canada's having the same problem that the U.S. is as far as people dropping out. But instead of having yeah. like Kimba Walker as your backstop, uh, they don't have they don't have quite the talent. Yeah, they um, have Corey Joseph. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and Kevin Pangos, former mm-hmm. Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so no, no, they don't have talent. But Nick Nurse coached the hell of the of the team, and they again they played good game, but. I wonder if Canada has his best 12 players, 
they are really in the in, in the mix for this uh, competition. Without them, of course, this is not true. But oh. with USA team being decimated by um, choices of NBA players, I wonder what would have happened with uh, Canada at full strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it would have been interesting. There's no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad the Shea decided not to go because, I mean, uh, I don't care if Canada wins and mm-hmm. I do care if he trains a bit more in OKC because it makes sense for him. But, but yeah. Uh, okay, I've got a couple ads. We'll do one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I want to ask you about a couple trades and then we'll talk about Chris Paul. Okay. Uh, so the first one is Peyton Marie Photography. Go to PeytonMarie.com. Uh, or you can go to her Instagram at Peyton Marie Photo. It's she's an incredible photographer. She's a wedding photographer, and she wants you guys to tell her that you heard about this ad on Down to Dunk. She's going to give you ten percent off, which is an unbelievable deal when it comes to a wedding package. Uh, and she's going to give you just an absolute treasure of a gift. In return, because getting good photos of your wedding, of your reception, of everything is it's important and it's going to just be something that you're going to hold uh, in your life forever. And so, please go to PeytonMarie.com or contact her on Instagram. Make sure that you tell her that you came from down to dunk and that you want that 10% off because that really matters. And so, um, she has a unique style. She wants you guys to, so you as a couple, if you've got, if you're getting married or your friends are getting married, she wants these photos to kind of symbolize you and wants them to be absolutely unique and not just, there's no, this is not like a cookie cutter photographer that's just going to take the same photos every time. She's going to take the time and effort into making it your own. So she's very unique. She puts out a very unique style. So please go to Peyton Marie Photo on Instagram, PeytonMarie.com, and support the people that support Down to Dunk. Uh, so for some reason, people like to talk about training for Andrew Wiggins. And I feel Can pretty- I tell you about a funny story first about photography? Because I, <laughs> please, like please. yesterday, <laughs> it's a new one. Yesterday, I had uh, basically my sister-in-law uh, turning 40, and we organized a beautiful party. Uh, me and my wife, we took care of the catering, so we made like all the, the dishes, the, the um, food, the, the, the beverage, blah, blah, blah. Everyone forgot of the photographer. And so it was basically at night, um, like not at night, uh, evening, like 8 o'clock, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, in the evening. And yeah, that's night. The sun goes, the sun goes down. There's no light, and we try to make a photo with our cell phone or with our compact cameras. <laughs> nothing, nothing worked. So beautiful party, everything, and we didn't have any photo to show it uh, for the next years. And so yeah, having good photos for your moments is extremely important. And yeah, it would have it would have been great to have Peter Murray here to to take photos of of that party. She would have been great, man. She would have taken yeah. some. Some out-of-the-box photos. She's really good. Uh, Something else out-of-the-box. Trading for Andrew Wiggins. This is a subject among Thunder fans. Um, 
I guess the the guys at the Oklahoma talk about it. Uh, what are your thoughts? I just I'm could not be more against it, but I don't know your feelings on it. Yeah, I mean, it depends. It really depends on the deal for me. I'm not opposed to any deal when it comes to OKC because it, it always depends on what is that you are getting back. If if you want to get back Wiggins for CP3, just for the purpose of unloading him, and you don't have to pay anything, and maybe it's just Wiggins and, I don't know, Jang for CP3, then maybe, like, maybe. I mean, I uh, I don't like the player. I, uh, I, I probably like Jang more than him mm-hmm. uh, in terms of uh, what he can do on the court, if, even if he is clearly and like usually overpaid um and so is Wiggins by the way but I'm not against the the idea of giving him a chance to basically restart from scratch he's not the star of the team he's a guy that has done nothing in his NBA career maybe you know see as much as Dean Waiters did uh they can find a way uh, to to I don't know, to improve, to to be professional and to to have an effort and stuff like that. Maybe it will be a useful player by the end of the contract. I don't know. I, I would I would not bet on it. But if it means like trading Chris Paul without giving up assets and getting like a potential assets in the making, yeah, I mean, maybe I would do it. It opens up minutes for Shea. Um, sure, there is not disgruntled. Uh, I don't know. You can try it. It's not the thing that I'm completely opposed to it. If you're trading Gallo for him, then no. Because I don't think, not because I don't like the idea of trying out Wiggins for basically nothing, but because I think that you can get more from Gallo. Uh, you can, I, I don't think that any team in the NBA will will go to Minnesota and say, well, I'll give you a lottery pick, lottery protected pick, for Wiggins, like no one would do that. Mm-hmm. Wiggins' values is not a first-round pick, and so why would you give a first-round pick for him? This is my—I mean, again, I'm not opposed to the player. I don't like him, but trying out talent like former lottery talent—it's—it's um, it's a good practice. I think you can find raw diamonds, you can find an Oladipo, you can find guys like that, but you don't want to overpay those guys. In terms of not not in terms of uh, salary, which will be largely irrelevant for OKC, but in terms of currency. So first round picks are the currency of the NBA, and Wiggins is not worth a first rounder. Mm-hmm. So whatever is worth a first rounder, you cannot trade for for Wiggins. Yeah, my problem is that in three years, when he's making thirty plus million, then it will then the money will matter. Like I agree, the money now. I don't I think it's a little irrelevant. But in 3 years when you have Andrew Wiggins taking up a quarter of your cap, like I'm just I'm just out on that. I'm just out. Like I I don't know. I just don't I just don't know if I believe that he can get much better. Mm-hmm. And taking the risk now when you have like a blank slate ahead, you know. Yeah. And you could be bringing in guy like young guys to kind of train them up. Like I think like Andrew Wiggins is a volume score 
right? And he's mm-hmm. inefficient, and he mm-hmm. doesn't care every night. And I yeah. don't, I just don't know if you can change that. Like Oladipo, it wasn't like a matter of caring; it was it was a matter of like changing his body and changing his. Yeah, but they didn't that. He didn't do that. While, while he was in Orlando, he didn't work as hard as he should on his body. Sure. So, but, but I don't think that's the issue with Wiggins. Like, Wiggins is in crazy shape. Yeah. But he doesn't know how to apply consistency yeah. on, a game, on a game basis. So I, I really wonder with those type of guys if being in the wrong um, team, not wrong team. I, I don't know how to how to phrase it to 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 not be disrespectful to Minnesota, but no, you can way... be disrespectful to Minnesota. That's okay. no, I don't want to do that because they they have they are professionals. I mean, they're you have players who like the staffers who care. So uh, I don't want to disrespect them, but it was probably not the best place to grow. Mm-hmm. Are you still there? Yeah, so because I'm I'm getting a call and I don't know if it's um, oh, okay. sorry, but anyway, no, um, um, my point is maybe this is. Do you remember how bad of a reputation Enes Kanter had in terms of how a bad locker room guy, mm-hmm. how he didn't care, mm-hmm. how blah blah blah. Then he came to OKC and he he doesn't improve on the defensive side as much as you would uh, think he could, but he wasn't that guy. He was a different guy. He learned to be a better player here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Aladipo did as well. I mean, he was not a guy who worked on his body as much as he should have. And Russell Westbrook, being the best, probably in the best physical shape of his life every single day of his life, um, made, made him rethink that part of his game. So I don't know if he could find a new career here, but I'm not against trying. And I, I do think that 30 millions on your cap sheet, when the only thing that you need to pay for sure in the next years is Shea Gilgis Alexander in three years. So 30 millions now really don't matter to me all that much. Um, when you give me the chance to have uh, former um, first, like first pick in the draft, mm-hmm. trying out for you basically for free for CP3 deal. That said, I, I don't think Minnesota would do it. Yeah, no, I mean because they're, they're still trying to to see the, themselves if if we if Wiggins is worth anything. Yeah, I mean realistically, you're not getting Andrew Wiggins for Chris Paul straight up. No, no. You're. I mean, you're going to have to give up a first rounder. Or more to make them yeah. even palatable for them. Yeah, and and that deal doesn't doesn't move me. I mean, I don't want to give anything, and so it's up to Minnesota to to say, well, since I'm giving you uh, Jang, which is as bad as a contract as anyone in the in the in the league, maybe like except for a few contracts, um, if he is worth a first rounder, then it makes things balanced somehow. You're giving, you're taking in 43 millions. You're giving away 44. You, you duck under the tax, and Minnesota have probably a better. Minnesota has a better point guard. Um, then they can they can get rid of Teague or, or doing something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't know. Uh, 
again, I would not give Gallo in any of these deals. I, I would try to move Gallo to Minnesota for Jang, but you, you really need two picks back. And I don't know if Minnesota would do it. Yeah. I mean, maybe they would. Let's say, let's, let's see, how do you get there for Gallo? Maybe they feel like we can finally make the playoffs with this team. Yeah. Well, they, they, they can make a push. Uh, even if I don't know how they're how they're going to play defense uh, with Gallo and, and Towns, but maybe they they, they would. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like T Gallo and 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 Towns are not uh, pillars of a stellar defense. <laughs> Let's put it this <laughs> they're way. Not. No, they're not. I mean, but like you have Gallinari, Wiggins, Towns, Teague, Covington. Like that's that's a solid yeah. crew. Yeah. What if they? I don't think they would do this. But what? What if you did Jang and Culver for Gallinari? Yeah, I mean, why not? I think I would that, do that. I don't think they. Yeah, would. I don't think they yeah, would. Sure. No, 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 no. They won't. They, they, they would. They were not as locked in on Culver as it might seem. Uh, like again, I. Yeah. I don't know if I told you this, but there are rumors that Culver really uh, didn't play as well in workouts and no one would trade up for him uh, because of that and then maybe Minnesota did and blah 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 but but yeah there are mixed report on on Culver and so um, I don't know I, I would do it just for the sake of having like a top six pick uh, mm-hmm. for Gallo but uh, but I'm not sure Minnesota wants to do that I think that you can get there uh, with other maneuvers that don't include him. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you like can, you can... Jang and then Josh Koji, and then you have to throw in like Shabazz Napier and Travion Graham just as like throw-ins. Okogi, even if I like him, I don't think he's worth two for Saunders. Well, I'm saying like Okogi and a protected first-round pick. Yeah, yeah. I, I again, if you do that. Well, not again, but I, I didn't say that. I just I thought about it. Uh, Okogi is kind of a Diallo slash Ferguson uh, alter ego. Mm-hmm. He's not the same, but he plays a bit of that, like completely uh, plays that role. And so you would temper the development of those two guys. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think is uh, is worth it. I don't know if if you if you ask me today, pick one of the three. I probably don't pick Okogi first. One of Travion Graham, Shabazz Napier, and yeah, Akogi? those guys are lovely to have. I mean, you can have them and then cut them so that they they don't uh, touch Okisi's ground, and yeah. then it's fine. Yeah, yeah, it probably works. I don't know how much over the cap Minnesota is, but if you reach twenty million, then hundred percent, like even nineteen millions are enough in returning salary, and you 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 go under the tax by. By a lot, so it mm-hmm. makes sense for OKC to do a move like that if you can get enough draft comp- compensation. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, I've said this before. Like, if you can get first round picks from Minnesota, that's they're worth their weight in gold. I mean, take, yeah. take them. I don't think they're giving up first rounders, though. I mean, may- maybe they do. Like, you can do Jang, Okoji, and Napier for Gallinari. And say, give us one unprotected pick. No, no, they would. They would not do that. I don't. I mean, 
unprotected, no. Maybe 2020, unprotected. Yeah. Yeah, but it's extremely risky. Not, I don't even uh, think they're making the playoffs with that team, dude. I just don't. Yeah, they think, but they they they, they are not stupid. They are aware of Gallo's health. And I so know. If Gallo's not healthy, they are probably the worst team in the in the West. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's a great deal for OKC, even if they protected like top eight, rolling maybe top yeah. eight, top ten. Yeah, maybe. And so. then two seconds. Uh, I don't know. I mean. The deal that oh, makes too much sense is uh, Afrani Simons and, and Bazemore for Gallo. I, mm-hmm. I, maybe you can put, like, you can swap uh, Diallo for uh, Simons and yeah. because it, he's really, clearly a little bit better in terms of an asset. I don't know in terms of um, finished product who, who would be better, but yeah, something like that you can do. Do we know if Anthony Simons is actually good? No, we don't. But the perception is he is mm-hmm. because he can score forty. So he did score forty. Yeah, that's something he did. Diallo has not done in his no. career so, no, no. so far. <laughs> He's a better dunker though, which again, doesn't move the the needle. But but yeah, something like that you can find. Um, I don't know uh, from the top of my head. I tried to to came up to with uh, with Gallo's trade uh, during the weekend. Uh, I mean, maybe Toronto will do that, and you can get uh, mm-hmm. OG Anunobi. Maybe something like you can get Anunobi any uh, any Baka, bring him back Air Congo, mm-hmm. and I mean Toronto would play interesting lineups uh, with Gallo because they can play Siakam Gallo, or uh, you can even play offensively with uh, with Gallo as a four and, and Siakam being the three defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, it 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 makes sense. I mean. Clearly, Toronto don't care, uh, doesn't care about Ibaka, and probably they don't care as much um, for Anunobi. Um, he's worth the first. You don't think that they care that much about Anunobi now? I I think that the jump that they expected wasn't there. Yeah, and you know, he had a lot of personal stuff going on though during the season. I know, I know, but still. It's something to to notice um, because like injury and stuff like that were a red flag before. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how they view him. Maybe they would want Diallo, like Diallo and Gallo for Ibaka and Anunobi, something like. I that. mean, you know you that know? I would do that in a heartbeat. <laughs> I mean, you, you know I, that I, I would. I don't. Yes, you would. But I think that the idea of Anunobi is better than player as of today. How um, dare you? How no, dare you? I mean, we're not talking Larry White. <laughs> I know. I'm just joking. <laughs> I would love he to take a. Guy. I would love to take a swing on OG and an OB. I mean, I think that would yeah, be awesome. But it's a it's a swing. Yeah, it's and, a swing. And Toronto gets a player that can very well sign an extension there. Because for Toronto, maybe it makes sense to have a core with Lowry, uh, Gallo. Marquezol, aging Marquezol for like the next two seasons, two seasons and a half. Yeah. To see. If you can have two or three playoff push uh, with Siakam and Lowry, and maybe it makes sense for him, for them because Gallo will probably command twenty ish per season, which is not unreasonable. OKC would not give uh, those money to him because it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. Um, I'd much so rather maybe, give twenty million to Gallo for the next two years than give 
thirty million to Andrew Wiggins for the next four. Yeah, yeah. Well, yes, clearly. Uh, but is is Gallo signing that contract here? Maybe oh. he signed that in Toronto. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But yeah, trades like that where you have a good to great team in the East uh, and or in the West that needs someone like Gallo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's a great. That's still like a good team. Lowry, Gasol, Gallinari, VanVleet, Siakam. Siakam. Yeah, like that's that's a solid team. Yeah, I think so. I, I think they make. They are set to make the playoffs. If you, if you do a trade like that, probably oh, they are set yeah. to make a playoff anyway. But mm-hmm. maybe they can push for the first top, the the, the top uh, four spots mm-hmm. in the playoffs if they do a trade like that. Maybe Indiana is another team that could eventually need a player like Gallo, but they don't have matching salaries. Mm-hmm. As I tried. Uh, hard to get Thomas in OKC, but it's yeah. it's just hard. Yeah, I mean, and it doesn't make too much sense in terms of allocation if you need, if you keep Steven Adams. No, it doesn't. I mean, like you'd have to go like Gallo for Domas, McDermott, TJ Warren, like that gets you there. But like you're giving up three rotation players for one, and like yeah. one highly productive. And another, like T.J. Warren, like we don't know what he's going to be on a good team. Like, Rob, he, uh, like he's a rough and good T.J. Warren is. Yeah, he he has all the red flags that you can <laughs> that you need. Like there are yeah. rumors from from like several uh, well-known uh, guys that the reason why Phoenix was so eager to move in was because they they want to start fresh with the culture of your team hmm. and this is this is not good it's not a good look yeah no i mean they they gave up an asset to give him to indiana yeah they're yeah. they're ready to get rid of him yeah uh okay speaking of getting rid of things if you want to get rid of dust and dirt in your home you should call kp kp's cleaning service they're a local small business here in Oklahoma City. They service Oklahoma City homes and surrounding areas. They're dedicated to giving a unique cleaning experience. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram. Search KP's Cleaning Services and give them a call 405 <coughs> excuse me, 405-290-8172 for a free quote. They've cleaned my home and they do an outstanding job. I can't wait till they come clean it again because when you walk in the door after they're done cleaning, it's just like, ah, great. My house is very clean and they do a great job. So support the people that support Down to Dunk and contact KP's Cleaning Services, 405-290-8172. Okay, so let's talk about Chris Paul. And let's go over some of his stats from last year. Because there's there's a certain perception about Chris Paul. And I think a lot of it comes from just how big his contract is. Because it is outrageous. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and feels that way. When you look at $38.5 million for this year, it's like, okay. Like, that's, that's a lot. Uh, and that makes him really difficult to trade. But if he can be a good player this year, I think that you might be able to attract 
some other teams. And, you know, they may be able to play a style that's more fitting to Chris than what they were playing in, in Houston. Because I think a lot of people get the misperception with Houston. If you don't watch them a lot, you think, like, they've got Mike D'Antoni, they've got Chris Paul, they've got Clint Capella, they've got James Harden. Like, man, this team must be just flying up the court. Like, no, like, they slow it down, and they ISO heavy, and they want both Chris Paul and James Harden to ISO heavy. Like, that's how they win games. And if you can get on the break, cool. If not, we're just going to kill you because we've got two guys that are better than any of your guys. And they're just going to smoke you. And that's what they do. And I think that they were, that he was done doing that. And he was upset about it. And there was a lot of arguing between he and James Harden because Harden just loved ISO, which makes it makes it interesting because I think, like, conceptually with Russell Westbrook, like, you think, like, oh, Russell's going to have the ball in his hands and he's going to be able to do this. He's going to be able to do that. And when James is on, on the bench, like, they're just going to run and gun. And that may be the case, and they should do that. But I just wonder because they didn't do that with Chris. You know, they didn't change styles. You know, in between point guards, and so I'm kind of interested to see what that looks like for them with with Russell because Russell was not a good isolation player last year. In fact, he was a bad yep. isolation player last year. Yeah, and so uh, it's interesting to to take a look at that because I mean, you look at Chris Paul in isolation, 28.8 percent of the time he was isolating. Yeah, and he Jeez. was and he was good. <laughs> he, <laughs> he was good. Yeah, like part of the, and then we, we go into numbers. It's hard when you don't have too many uh, creators in the court because you can argue that Daniel House, Clint Capella, and PJ Tucker are not creator. Eric Gordon surely is, but he's comfortable just being a floor spacer with his movement and his shooting. So he, he can create um, on a secondary action, like you can. If you if you give him the ball and he he has to attack a closeout, then he can do it. He can even play maybe a side pick and roll, but he's not he's not the guy that will initiate all the offense for you. And Austin mm-hmm. Rivers, yeah, he may do that, but but again, th- those are players that are okay just standing and or doing little movement. And that was Mike D'Antoni's idea. Let's give the ball to James. Uh, Harden, let's clear the floor for him, and we will play like that. And Chris can do the same. Like Chris can isolate, so we will do that with Chris as well. Um, and I think that this is the the reason why we see um, Chris Paul having as much as a uh, an isolate like his isolation number were like huge last season. Um, I don't think that this is the way Billy will play him. If he, if we have to uh, to play him for the entire season, um, because I don't, I don't see Billy uh, using that kind of scheme when he can do other stuff and when he has like a different kind of um, basketball philosophy and a different personnel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean this the the ball movement, player movement stuff that Billy has been pushing for a while. Like that's gonna happen. That's going to happen yeah. with this team. I mean, he's got guys in Chris Paul and Shea and and Ferguson and Gallo that like none of those guys are. 
I mean, Gallo's an elite creator, and Chris Paul's a good creator, but they're not Russell Westbrook, Paul George, where it's like, we obviously need to have the ball. We obviously need to be the one creating these shots. No, no. They're going to be moving around the court. They're going to be finding the best shot, and it's they're not going to be a better team than the Thunder have been the last few seasons, but I think that as far as what, Billy wants to do and creating these shots. It's going to be interesting to see because you're going to see what Billy wants to do on the court actually happening. And I talked about this on the Dream Team podcast that it's we I can talk this way and it sounds like I'm saying that I think the Thunder will be better and that things are going to be better. I, I I'm not stupid. <laughs> I don't think things are going to be better. Like I don't think it's going to be a better team. But I think it will be interesting to actually see what kind of coach Billy Donovan is. Because when you have superstars, you are at the mercy of your superstars. You're not going to really coach them and tell them exactly what to do. You may be able to call some plays, and they'll run some plays. You know, The Thunder ran that elevator play a lot at the beginning of the season. That was really cool. People figured it out. They threw it out. And then they just kind of went back to what they do. You know what? What they do mm-hmm. for Paul George? What they do for for Russell Westbrook? I mean, that's that's what it is. And this year, like, who are you really catering to? And whose style of play are you really catering to? I don't think that Chris Paul necessarily has a particular style. He does dribble the ball a lot and likes to kind of call things out. But I don't think that you mm-hmm. have to label a style of play with him. I don't think this that's the case with Gallinari. And so. The point is, I think that you're gonna get you're gonna have a lot of guys that are just like, yeah, let's go play. What do you want to do, coach? You know, I think that's gonna be the case. That doesn't make them better. They're not gonna be a better team. This team is most likely not gonna make the playoffs. And so we're we're talking about a different caliber of teams, but I do think that they find themselves in a unique space where they've got a coach in the last year of his deal, and they get to find out like who is this guy really? Because you go year to year. They had that 16 team that was awesome. And probably because he was a new coach, he, I mean, I feel like he did make his, put his imprint on that team. And, mm-hmm. you know, especially come playoff time where he's trying all these different combinations. I mean, like it was, like he was great. Uh, and then you get 17, and that was just the Russell. Now I do what I want here. And I don't, I think that we just saw who Russell was. And then the next year I saw we saw a Russell led team with Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. And then the next year we saw that same team but with Schroeder instead. And now he's got that team that team's not there anymore. Like not even close. And so each year it's been so different. You don't even I don't even know really who Billy Donovan is as a coach. Like I just don't really know. And so I'm it's it's a unique opportunity to find out, is this the guy we want to kind of help push us forward? And does Billy even want to do that? I don't know. But I think it's just interesting. To, it'll be interesting to see as far as what, what Billy wants and what this team can do. And can they play a, can they create a style of play that is helpful for their young guys is really, to me, the, the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that, again, with the space that they will have with Gallo and, and CP3 in the court and the ability of both these players to not be just guys that 
create shot uh, statically, they can move. Like you can see Gallo setting screen, cutting. It's it's not something that is like not in his arsenal. He does that, those things. And Chris Paul is able to relocate. He's done that for the last two seasons, basically maybe initiating, then dumping to Harden, relocating, then maybe screening. Um, those players will add things for OKC that we didn't see uh, over the past years. Um, as you may, as you, like you guys may know now, I'm kind of optimistic on this team mm-hmm. because I, I can see things develop quickly. This team does not have a closer like Paul George. They simply doesn't. Uh, they don't have a guy that can probe a defense for 38 minutes the way Russell Westbrook does. But on the other end, they don't have uh, guys that they don't have a guy like Russell Westbrook who will make questionable choices uh, along the game, alongside the game. You don't have the same margin, but I do I do think that they will have a different floor on any given night. Mm-hmm. And this is where I think it's important to to see how much Gallinari and CP3 will play for this team because. I, I cannot think of this team and, and being, yeah, they are a 31 team. No, they are not. They are closer to a 40-win team than they are to a 31, mm-hmm. I think. And and CP3 gives you an extremely high floor in the regular season because of the way he manipulates the defenses, the way he can find lobs for Steven, the way he will find shots for Ferguson. I keep remembering those stretches of great basketball for OKC the past two winters where they weren't great because either PG or Russ were exceptional. They were great because all the players were. Because Steven Adams had a great month and Terrence Ferguson had a great month. Because like in the in the run they had in 2017-2018, they were great in January because all the pieces were working together. You can argue that this team has more unique talent in terms of like like a player talented player. They have more stars than San Antonio next season. Because like Demar is a dysfunctional star and Lamarcus is an aging one. Mm-hmm. And you can you can think about Chris Paul and, and, and Gallo and you think, yeah, I mean they are close to the same. So why we are always praising San Antonio's floor, the way that can play every night. And we refuse, rightly so, to consider them a 35-38 win team while we are considering OKC a 31. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really understand. The, the logic is the same. I, I know that we didn't see any Billy Donovan team being consistent while we see like 20 years of Popovich's team being extremely consistent. But the logic is the same. And the story tells us that CP3 in the regular season is as consistent as anyone. The, the, when he's on the court, his teams are great, period. There's no discussion about that. The um, point is how many games he will play. If he plays mm-hmm. 60, I refuse refuse to believe that they will win less than 40 games. Yeah, don't you think it's because their goals are different? Like San Antonio's got this team and... Their goals are is basically just let's just try to win as many games as we can. I don't while we are developing. Yeah, while they're why, developing. Why, why should it be that difference? OKC has way, way more assets 
mm-hmm. than San Antonio. And you can argue that if they have to, if San Antonio could pick, could switch like Ferguson and Shea for White and, and Murray, they will do that because the best odds to be a superstar lies in Shea. Mm-hmm. So why are we convinced that, okay, see, yeah, I mean, I heard Preston's speech. I, I heard that. And I believe that this is what he want. But there is a value on winning and winning no matter what. And OKC has, is, is in a good position to be able to win and get assets anyway because of the way they, they were able to, to trade Paul George and Russell Westbrook. So I know that part of NBA success is to build through the draft. And this is this is clear. I, 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 I'm, I'm a believer on, on the percentage, on the math, and blah, blah, blah. But if you see San Antonio's model, uh, yes, they picked Tim Duncan as the first one, with the first one pick, but they were able to find talent and to breed talent. And I do think that Billy's, done, Billy's job in developing players has been exceptional over the last few years. And so why are we... Are we not like putting our chips on that? Like you, you take talent wherever you, you're able to, but you're trying to win. You're trying to build a culture that in OKC, no matter who's on the court, we play this style. No matter who's on the court, we will try to win. And if we don't, we'll, take the, we'll make the most of it. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's because Gallinari is not going to be on this team the whole season, right? Maybe so. I just don't think he will be. Yeah. So what? Either you extend him, like give him like a. I don't know. Or you, or he's traded, right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's two options. Like they're not just going to let him expire. No, no, they they, they won't. They they won't. I, I I. Well, it's it's extremely unlikely. Let's put it this way. It's extremely unlikely. Yeah. They have to be very special for that to happen. And yeah. if they are very special, I think they will reach. I don't think that you can extend it during the season, though. So uh, I don't know. But um, or yeah, or plan to re-sign him. Like I don't think that they plan to re-sign him. No, but I mean, I again to me there is a huge value in winning, and unless mm-hmm. I know that uh, Twitter fans just wants to be. To, to have OKC's name uh, at the top of the draft. And clearly, it's something incredible to have. But there is an extremely high value in winning that we praise in San Antonio. And, mm-hmm. But when it comes to other... That when we evaluate other, other situations like OKC ones, the only things that matters is draft. I don't know that is the case. And if you can convince Gallinari that this is a great situation for him, that he can, he can A, get money, B being in a certain environment, maybe you'll, maybe you'll stay. I don't know. My, my point is more, let's not focus on just uh, the being as bad as possible part mm-hmm. because there's value in that, but there's values also on, on being a great team and seeing Ferguson, uh, which I think it's, it's up for a big season, in my opinion, Diallo, uh, Baisley, uh, and Shea, mostly Shea, develop in the right setting. Yeah. And like, if you go back to Wiggins, there is a, an extremely high chances that when you are developing in a crappy situation, you won't develop as, as good as if you do in a certain situation. Steven Adams, 
developing on a bad team maybe turns into uh, into Jang. And instead, he is Steven Adams mm-hmm. because he developed in a certain situation. It's not clear-cut, of course. There are plenty of examples of bad environment turned by a single player. But there are also a huge amount of, of examples of great players, of, of young players developing into competitive environments that reach certain heights in their uh, in their careers. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. Like, I think for role players, that's very, very important um, to be in a certain environment. And for cer- certain stars, it's important. I mean, who knows? I mean, I think Russell is a special player. Would he have would he become an MVP outside of OKC? Like if he was drafted by Charlotte or Sacramento or Minnesota, is Russell oh, Westbrook what about the Kawhi? same guy? Yeah, Kawhi is. An, yeah, he's another one. I don't know. I mean, situation matters. It certainly does. Uh, but you also have to have the chance to to take that kind of talent and to find that kind of talent. Sure, sure, uh, sure. That that is that is correct. But it is also why I'm saying that OKC is better position than anyone to do so because they don't have just their own picks. They have yeah. Clippers picks. They have Miami's picks. They have Denver's picks. Mm-hmm. They, they are not set to be great, but who knows? Yeah. And with that, my dear friend, I have a, like two 15 meeting that starts in Four minutes. Okay, I will let you go. <laughs> uh, go follow McKellie on Twitter at Mikey Berry. He's a great follow. Follow me at Andrew K. Schlecht. Follow our podcast at Down to Dunk. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday.